Hello and welcome to Access Asia here on France 24. I'm Jean-Mil Jamin with your weekly roundup of news from around the continent. Coming up, with press freedom eroding in Cambodia, questions are being asked about the state of democracy in the country. It comes after Prime Minister Hun Sen closed one of the last remaining independent radio stations for airing a critical story of his son and potential successor. Then we take a look at the latest troubling trend regarding one of our favorite items on the menu. Sushi pranks have rocked the Japanese food industry of late, threatening to destabilize a cultural phenomenon. And wedding crashes are causing chaos throughout India, taking advantage of lavish ceremonies where guests number in the hundreds. We look into the growing security headache facing wedding organizers as thieves aim to pick a pocket or two. Cambodia's strongman leader has ordered the shutdown of one of the country's few remaining local independent media outlets. One of the world's longest serving leaders, Prime Minister Hun Sen, has increasingly cracked down on any opposition as he prepares for his elections later this year. Emerald Maxwell brings us the story. The order came overnight from above. Cambodia's Voice of Democracy, or VOD, would have to stop broadcasting by 10 a.m. <laughs> One of Cambodia's last independent radio stations and websites, VOD was known for reporting extensively on sensitive issues. Hopefully this is not the end of the everything yet, so uh, we will try our best. Hopefully a solution uh, can realize soon. But having attracted the ire of the country's leader ahead of a July general election, its future doesn't look promising. Hun Sen accused VOD of slandering his son Hun Manet, who's head of the army and heir apparent to his father. VOD's article said Hun Manet had signed a document on his father's behalf, authorizing a $100,000 donation for earthquake relief for Turkey. Prime Minister said the article misrepresented the facts because only he had the authority to make decisions on foreign aid. Hun Sen said he wouldn't change his mind about closing VOD and warned foreign governments to stay out of it as criticism poured in. The decision is particularly troubling due to the chilling impact it will have on freedom of expression and on access to information ahead of the national elections in July. We see uh, Hun Sen preparing again for a clean sweep to sort of anoint his son, Hun Manet, uh, is the future leader. Uh, and he doesn't want to have anybody say anything uh, that is even remotely critical of him or his administration. And, you know, so it was a matter of time, I think, in some ways, before VOD was going to get hit. Uh, they've hit them over an absolutely ridiculous uh, allegation. A former Khmer Rouge deputy regional commander, although he denies complicity in their crimes, Hun Sen entered Cambodia's new government in 1979. He became prime minister six years later and has ruled Cambodia with an iron fist ever since. Before the last general election in 2018, he had the Cambodia Daily shut down, accusing the publication of tax avoidance. Over the last two years, he's also cracked down on any opposition, convicting his opponents on baseless charges. The international community has uh, lost a step. Uh, it uh, sort of got distracted. Uh, it's. Uh, lost the opportunity to really sort of weigh in on Cambodia. I mean, what has been happening over the past two years is Hun Sen has been holding mass trials, mass political trials, to go after his opponents. Hun Sen's anti-democratic attacks have emboldened as he cozies up to China's Xi Jinping. 
in a joint statement last weekend after a bilateral meeting. Cambodia and China emphasized their mutual support, shared interests and firm opposition to any foreign interference. Conveyor belt sushi. It's a staple of modern Japanese restaurant culture, offering people a cheap and casual way to enjoy the food. But recently, a wave of pranks by customers has sent shockwaves throughout the industry. Videos of diners messing with someone else's food went viral, prompting restaurant chains to file police complaints. Now questions have even been raised about the future of the famous dining invention. Well, joining me now is Access Asia's Ryuka Royer, who is herself a big fan of rotating sushi. Ryuka, I for one wish there was a conveyor belt of sushi going around the studio table right now. But let's go back to the basics. What is conveyor belt sushi? Well, Jean-Emile, it's also called rotating sushi and kaiten sushi in Japanese. What it is, it's a type of restaurant uh, where small plates of sushi and other types of food come down a moving belt that passes right next to customers' tables so people can, people can uh, pick as they wish. You can also uh, order what you want to eat. Now, the system was invented in the 1950s but really became popular in the 80s as a cheaper alternative to traditional sushi bars that are often out of reach for many people. In Japan, uh, at a typical kaiten sushi restaurant, you can still enjoy a dish with two pieces of sushi for less than one euro. Wow. And uh, that must make it a really appetizing feast. Now, what's been happening with these pranks? That's, that's the problem. Now, now, in January, a video went viral of a man uh, smothering sushi with wasabi, you know, a kind of horseradish that's very, very hot. Uh, the problem was the food wasn't for him. It was uh, going, it was on his way to another customer going down the conveyor belt. Uh, so that was the problem. And then a host of similar pranks followed suit with people uh, sometimes going really too far. Like there was one man uh, who licked a finger and then touched raw fish with it. Uh, fish that was actually going down the lane and he obviously didn't take the plate. Uh, another video showed a man picking up food from a passing plate uh, with his chopsticks and then putting it back on for others to eat. So the phenomenon caused an uproar uh, with the hashtag sushi terror or sushi terrorism trending on social media and it also had an economic impact uh, causing the share price of one of the victims, a sushi chain, Sushiro, to tank. Let's hear what ordinary Japanese consumers have to say. I like sushi and I do go to this type of restaurant. But now I don't feel completely safe eating in those places. We wouldn't be able to eat out at all if we get too worried. So no, I'm not bothered at all. Well, Yuka, I can't imagine anything worse than taking a bite out of my sushi and it is absolutely smothered in wasabi. But exactly why has this caused so much concern? Well, first of all, because rotating sushi restaurants are just so popular. Now, sushi is, as I said, a luxury in Japan, uh, but the conveyor belt system really turned into fast food by creating a kind of second market. Uh, and th that's all thanks to automation and the self-service system. One of my favourite places has 110 seats, but it's usually just served by one or two waiters. So pranksters abused this system uh, and that's why some sushi chains reacted very quickly, uh, reporting to the police and preparing legal action even if they were teenagers. Uh, a spokesman for, spokesman for Sushiro told me that their business is based on mutual trust between the restaurant 
and the client. And those, this type of pranks really seriously undermines that trust and cannot be overlooked. Now we talk about the restaurants. What exactly can they do or what have they done to prevent these pranks from taking place further down the line? Well, actually, interestingly, the rotating sushi business model has been uh, ch changing considerably in recent years. Uh, in many places, many customers place orders, many more place orders, rather than pick from what's already on the belt. Uh, one major chain, Hamazushi, told me that 90% of their outlets uh, have already switched to so-called straight lane system, uh, where food is prepared upon order and uh, travels directly to the client on uh, fast moving on a fast moving lane but it's still not fail safe that wasabi incident actually happened on one of these high speed sushi trains uh, another chain kurazushi uh, is going even further. It's considering using AI-backed cameras to monitor customer activity. Now, the chain already has the high-tech system installed, but uh, it's currently only used to determine what fish is selling well uh, and how many dishes an average client takes. So it all basically depends on the culture of the patrons going to the restaurant. Let's see if and uh, behaving themselves most importantly. Absolutely. <laughs> Once they go into the restaurant, let's see if they just. Stick to their order. Uh, Yuko Roya, thank you so much for your insight onto, into the sushi business. And finally, wedding planners in India are sweating on security as the industry has seen an increase in uninvited guests stealing from other attendees. So in a country which is ceremony obsessed, why and how are these freeloaders taking advantage and what can be done to stop them? Let's find out from our correspondents Lea Delfoli and Sadia Rao. In the south of New Delhi, a weekend of festivities begins. A marriage, one of 100,000 weddings celebrated in the Indian capital each year. This is Munish Sharma's 176th marriage. As a wedding planner, he must keep a close watch on every detail. Pick that up, be careful. Munish had only six months to organize this wedding. And the security of the location and guests is his top priority. Video surveillance, verified guest identification, security guards. Munish takes all precautions to avoid security breaches. Their job is to just keep an eye what exactly is going on here. Right? So similarly, around 15, 20 people are on floor. And they all are looking after their own areas. Someone is in the parking area, someone in the main gate, someone is in the lobby. If any mishappening happens, any problem happens which is beyond two people control, we eight are here, my 20 people are here, so within, within a second, 50 or 100 people will be on floor. Weddings are an institution here, 10 million celebrated annually with staggering budgets, 30,000 euros per wedding on average, three times higher than in France. And the number of guests can be excessive. In India, a typical wedding goes 300, 400, 500 people sometimes. Added to this long list of guests are some malicious attendees, self-invited. In Ludhiana, Punjab, Tilak Raj Shad celebrated his son's marriage last January with 300 attendees. But as the couple approached their wedding cake, nothing went as planned. You can see behind my wife by the corner of the sofa two people in black and cream coats. One of their hands appears, picks up the purse and then vanishes. More than 8,000 euros in cash was stolen that evening. Operating discreetly, these gangs hire underprivileged children to build their teams. More than a thousand kilometers away, we met Vivek. He was previously enlisted in a wedding gang. 
We were trained for about a month. After training, we would go to the weddings to steal. There was an older boy with me, sort of my friend. He would teach me how to steal. After raiding six weddings in Punjab, when his accomplices were arrested by the police, Vivek fled, boarded a bus and returned to his village. Poverty and lack of resources drove his mother to send Vivek off. He was recruited with these gangs for about three months. According to the police, some families can be paid up to 6,000 euros to let their children join these organized gangs for a year. Since most of these thefts are carried out by minors, legal proceedings are rare, allowing these gangs to function with impunity. Well, that's all the access we have into Asia this week, but there will be plenty more soon. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you soon.